Welcome, folks, back to another Inner Fight podcast, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined on the line today for this quite a special podcast by a gentleman that I've actually told quite a few of you about in the last few months since I go in the last few weeks since I got back from the my first ultra race down in Oman. I'm lucky to be joined on the line today by the winner of that race. Johan Steen. Johan, thank you so much for joining us. How are things over there in Sweden with you? Thank you very much, Marcus. It's uh, it's an honor to be with you. Uh, well, the, things are looking pretty good here for the first time in like two months. We see some blue skies. Otherwise, we just have gray weather here in, in the winter. Uh, Oman was something different for me. I'm, I'm already longing back for, for that uh, type of weather, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about that. You've been home for a couple of weeks. Uh, after we'll go into the race itself, but how is this recovery going? I mean, we're, we're starting at the end, but you've been home for a couple of weeks, colder weather from the desert of Oman. How's your recovery going, and how are you feeling? Well, well, first of all, I actually had a couple of days just laying on the beach there in Oman. It was it was just great after after the race, just to relax and eat a lot. You have to eat a lot after a race Absolutely, like that, yeah. since all your depots are empty. But uh, while I landed here in Sweden, I just went straight back to work. Uh, normally, I do all my training in, in uh, transporting myself to back and forth to work. So I started doing that actually on the Monday of, after the race, but I did it <laughs> A little bit slower than normal, <laughs> but but it was fine actually for a week. Then then I had some some uh, some tests going on at, at uh, with another with a, with other ultra runners here in Sweden. We did some uh, tests in a laboratory, VO2 max tests, and and uh, stupid things that you shouldn't have been doing a week after Oman, and and that I think broke me. Uh, I I had a fever after that for a few days, but now I'm back on it again, doing my my daily jogs of I don't know. So really, uh, really not much let up. Some, yeah. Really not much let up from uh, from from training and from well from your work life. You run to work and you run home every day. Yeah, as as often as I can, I do that. that that's that's how I fit in all the all the uh, kilometers into my into my uh, training schedule. It's the, only, it's the only way to do it, you know. Be in between work and family and stuff, I have to do it uh, as a trans as, as a as a method of transportation. <clears throat> Let's go back to running. Yeah. Why? Why do you? How did you get into running? Let, let's understand that first, because a lot of people are looking for, you know, what motivates a guy to go and run 285 k's. We'll talk about the incredible time you did it in, and 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 different emotions you went through. But what is? How did you start running? Well, well, that's rather simple and and rather silly, actually. I, I read this book, Born to Run, in 2010, by Chris McDougall, and. Uh, it's, I don't know. Those two days, it took me to read the book. I was really, I, I, I didn't raise my normal uh, mind of t- criticism. I just ate it whole. <laughs> Everything he wrote in there, and and uh, it was so nice just to to have a feeling one for once that oh that that that's a simple enough purpose for me. I, I just felt like like well, running it's, uh, seems uh, simple and good thing to do and uh, I, I started out I, at, at that time I had done like a weekly jog of, of 3k's for right. one and a half two years before that so I think I started with that in 2008 and this I read the book in 2010 right. and uh, after the book I just increased the mileage and, and uh, in we, within a year I was up at between 70 and 100 k's a week and last year I was at uh, actually, over 160k a week in in uh, in some wow. yeah and every just, week it, it 2013 just felt like and a natural thing. Yeah, more or less. Well, well, I, I when I started running more, of course, I, I uh, participated in a few few races, and I was really uh, caught up by the fact that the human body and mind is is uh, able to do these very long races. I did a hundred. My first ultra race was a hundred k in northern part of Sweden called Lapland Ultra in 2011 in the summertime, 
I just a couple of weeks prior to that, I did the Stockholm Marathon, and I was so exhausted after the Stockholm Marathon. It was my first uh, that I was laying down in some sort of uh, yeah on, on the field there, on the, in the field of the where, where you where you finish, and and yeah. I was thinking to myself, I will never ever have to run this far again. <laughs> two two weeks after that, I, I was at the starting line of a hundred k race, and uh, I it, it it's in Swedish Lapland. It's uh, you run through the through the summer night. Uh, it's actually a night race, so you start at ten uh, p.m. and um, Kilometer 86, there was some old Swedish guy standing there at an aid station giving out chocolate and, and, and cinnamon buns. And they looked at me and I was like drenched. In, it was just pour, pouring down. It was just a couple of uh, degrees above freezing. And I was, I was just miserable. And they saw my face and they saw my eyes and they said, my, well, son, you don't have to run anymore. You have nothing to prove. <laughs> so it was to- totally wrong thing to say. They Absolutely. don't know that, but but still, I, I I they put me in a car. There was nothing wrong with me. Right. I was just I was just like a little girl. I, I didn't know what to expect, and I, I had nothing to to resist them with because when they offered me a hot car and and a blanket, I just took it right. without thinking. And all of a sudden, I was. DNFing my first ultra race, and that's yeah. since then it's the only DNF I have actually. But, wow. but it was a very good DNF because it was it was my first experience in how to run on through the night and and to to meet to to confront the very your your very own weakness that that all of us have somewhere in within. Even though that we don't confront it very often yeah. in an ultra race, you will definitely. Uh, seek it up and find it and confront it. That yeah. that little uh, weak person that we all are. <laughs> Incredible. So that that was the introduction, and and there we, we we find you four years later, on the beach in Oman, ready to take on a single stage, 285k run. Which at the time, I guess to everyone, there was not really much information. I don't know how much information you got on the race. We didn't really get a great deal. The communication was somehow vague of what was going on. All we were told when we got there is it's going to be a very, very tough race. And you're there on the start line. So what what took you there? And, and you give us a little bit of insight into how you planned for it and sort of the dial in with your training and, and also definitely your nutrition and, and your mental plan as well to get to that start line down in Oman. Yeah, sure. It, I, I totally agree with you. We didn't know much about what to expect in that race. It was, uh, when you see the advertisement for a race like that you and, and you like long, hard races, you get intrigued, of course. It's a, when, when you read it's it's a desert race, it's a lot of uh, uh, mountains with a lot of climbing and, and uh, descending. I think it was plus five, six thousand meters and, and or since you come from one coast to another, it's it's uh, just as much uh, declining. Uh, well, the the training is that I mentioned a little bit is something that I try to fit in every day. I run every day. I run back and forth to work. If I'm in a period before a race, I also run at night when the family is in bed. Actually, uh, first of all, I, I help my wife to. to to put our two sons to sleep, and then I put my wife to sleep, <laughs> and then and then I have some night, nightly hours of running. If it, if if I'm in a very hard uh, training period, For sure. uh, I also do a lot of running with backpack. Actually, since I do it to work, I have my computer and some. Extra clothes and stuff, so yeah. I get that for free as well. When it comes to these more or less adventure races, when you have to carry your own food and and your own gear, yeah. uh, but but of, I, I'm not used to the heat. I run uh, in Sweden and I run close to to sea level and a lot of flat running because it's just the the type of terrain I get to work. So for sure. uh, I'm not so used to the hills, but. Uh, I, I I love the mountains, so when I'm on, on vacation, I try to run in the mountains, and uh, I, I hope to do it more in the future, actually, because I really enjoy that type of running, uh, both up and down, but uh, unfortunately, it's ma- it's mainly flat uh, streets where, where I train, <clears throat> so that's what I'm that's what I'm good at. Uh, wh- when it came to to flat sections in the Oman race, I tried to speed up as much as possible just to gain some. 
Uh, gains on kilometers. I mean, that's uh, that, that, that's really incredible. That, that, if we just go to that, so you're used to running in, in in freezing cold temperatures on flat lands because of the geography of the of the land where you live, and yeah. you're in Oman, ready to start a race, or, or, which is five thousand meters in in, in ascents and, and descents, and in some stages, which we'll go into in a minute, it was damn hot as well. Yeah, actually, it was. Which makes I was this so... whole thing more incredible. I, I told all the friends back because, of course, when you say I'm going to the desert, everyone is thinking about like 50 degrees plus. Yes, for sure. But but I said, well, well it seems when when you look at the uh, at the weather forecast, it looks like like 20, 25 degrees, like perfect weather, yeah. summer weather here in Sweden. But as you mentioned, it was a little bit hotter. Some in the middle of the day, of course, in the sun. And I I didn't really uh, plan on that, but it worked as <coughs> that too. Uh, when when it comes to um, how, how I. What I've been racing before, I've done one desert race before, but it was a stage race, right. so I know just very little about what 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 that have what what type of preparation you need for that. And <clears throat> I I talked to a lot of of our fellow race friends in the before the race here in Oman, and and a lot of them seem to have a lot of experience in in the stage race circuits with Marathon de Sable and racing the planets yeah. uh, kind of stuff. And those races are really hard, uh, of course, yeah. and you can get really tired by them, and you can get all the uh, all, all the sand is very hard, and all, all the, and the heat is hard, and you have to carry your own uh, calories and everything. But after each stage, you have at least like 15 hours of rest before the yeah. next, yeah, right. and then you do perhaps 260 to 270 kilometers in in a week. Yeah. And here we were confronting up to 300 kilometers uh, in as fast as time as you can, uh, as as you ever can do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so I, I've I've been doing a few hundred mile races, which is 160 k's, right? And also a couple of uh, 24 hour timed races where you run as many laps as you can on a. On a track or or on a uh, looped course for 24 hours, non-stop. Non-stop, yeah. And and there, of course, you train your your mind on not to sleep, and also train your mind to be in this mental prison, which that type of event is actually. <laughs> it's it's not so much your body that will that will shut down on you. It's it's your ability to focus on moving forward, and your your ability to just persuade your body to moving forward it, it takes a lot of concentration of your mind just to keep that very simple thought of putting one foot in front of the other yeah it seems so easy but it's not yeah. it's yeah. actually very very hard after a few hours yeah. just to just to keep that motivation up yeah. uh, and and i since i've been doing if some of those longer races i i thought that i thought before this oman race that that was better training for my mind than, than actually all that experience that all these Marathon de Sable uh, runners have. For sure. Since, since they, they are used to the sand, of course, and to the climate and, and to carrying and monitoring their own calorie intake. But when it comes to running around the clock, they're not so used to that. And, yeah. and perhaps I had some advantage there uh, together with the other races that are used to, to longer type of, of runs. Uh, yeah. And uh, nutrition. So, n- nutrition-wise, what sort of what was it, wh- what's the plan? I mean, you, you obviously you came you came from Sweden, so and you've done a lot of these races before. You've tested different stuff. So, what yeah. was in your what was in your backpack food-wise, and and how much did it weigh? Uh, yeah, I, I see if I can answer you correctly. But but when I did the my my. Uh, the one desert race I'd done before, it was a roving race for racing the planet in Jordan 2012. Then actually, uh, I have a friend that's very, very, uh, he, he has read a lot about what to eat and not to eat. And, and he's very into that uh, nutrition scene. He, he eats a very low carbohydrate type of diet where, right. where 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 his main energy source is fat and, and he he showed me that type of diet like i think it was the spring of 2011 and i adapted it pretty fast so i was I, i've been eating like that since then right. and, and just because i 
but I think I, I feel better when I eat it. I, I'm, I'm not so I'm not so ill. I'm not so sick. I don't have the colds. I don't have the the flus as much as I used to. And and one benefit, of course, is that I can run all day without eating. Uh, it's it's a it's a sense of freedom that I like very much. So I, I was trying to find uh, when when I do the normal races, you always have access to to food or or drinks and and aid station or whatever. Here here we were only supposed to get water at the aid stations, and we had to carry everything with us. Yes. So I was discussing with him, uh, my friend, for the 2012 event, and he taught me. Or he, he told me about uh, a food that the Native Americans was uh, eating or, or preparing when they had uh, killed a buffalo on the prairie. They did something called pemmican, right. which is uh, they take the red meat, which is just the pure red muscle, and uh, they dry it in thin slices uh, until it's dry as a cracker. I don't know. And and then they take the fat, the, the white parts of the of the animal. Yeah. Uh, without any muscle tissue, and they uh, simmer it uh, slowly until they vaporize all the moist from from that. So it's just pure fat. And when they have these two ingredients, the and the the totally dry meat and the totally I don't know without without uh, watery fat. They yeah. they put the fat and the meat together. Right. Uh, first, uh, sorry, first they grind the meat until it's some sort of meat flour. I don't know. Uh, right. Yeah, and then they mix the flour, the meat flour, and the fat, and they got a, this meat dough, uh, right. which is yeah, it's like a cookie dough, <laughs> and okay. uh, and you can form it into cakes and and uh, or, or any shape you like, and and then you have some very nutritious food that yeah. will that will be good for like six months in in uh, twenty degrees Celsius. You don't need to store it in a cold place or or something like that. You can just carry it around with you, and you have perfect food for six months. Oh. Uh, and, and he told me about this and I said, can you make it for me? Because I'm lazy also. I don't, I can, but, but he's, he's not. So he, <laughs> he actually prepared this food for me for the, for the Jordan race and I had it and it was working excellent. It's, uh, uh, so I, I had asked him the same question now for the Oman and uh, this time he was really happy to do it because we proved it, it, it worked in Jordan and, and now we wanted to test it again. And so I had, uh, like, I, I think I, Put down almost two kilos of it in 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 the backpack from the start. Right, uh, and uh, it's it was at least let me see, like four thousand five hundred or, or or five thousand kilocalories uh, wow. worth of worth of pemmican, wow. and 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 uh, it's so good to have something that you know is really nutritious. It's it's real food. It's nothing. It's nothing made in a in a, in a factory, or sure. it's it's just it's just pure pure beef and fat fr yeah. from from the animal. And 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 uh, my friend, his name is Lud uh, Ludwig. Ludwig is is very also keen on on buying the good meat. So it's it's from an animal that has been walking on the grass, eating the grass, the green grass, and not something yeah, else. Yeah, uh, so absolutely. so I know I have top quality meat in that. And when when uh, when I stop and prepare this, and what I do is I just take one. You you get the, your water in one and a half liters bottles, plastic bottles, uh, and uh, I cut it in half, the bottle, and then I get the get some hot water in it, and then I put down like half half a kilo of, of pemmican in there, and I mix it, stir it around for a bit, and it becomes this really thick. I don't know. Thick meat soup. After a few <laughs> minutes, sounds delightful. Uh, oh well, well, perhaps not soup is the right word. I, I guess it's more of a meat porridge, right. <laughs> I would say. And uh, then I have uh, just to to gulp it down. I have a plastic spoon with me, and I and I can continue walking while I eat it. And it will take me like fifteen minutes to to finish it. And then I have almost uh, fifteen hundred or twelve hundred kilocalories in my stomach that will Incredible. keep going for at least six hours more so i i don't do any snacking in between eight stations in in this particular race in oman we had eight stations like every 25 to 30 kilometers apart yeah. Yeah. and uh and i know if if you eat uh, a lot of carbohydrates like gels or 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 bars or or uh, that type of of racing food that is very common yeah. you have to snack all along otherwise your your blood sugar will go so low that you that yeah, you won't function you yeah absolutely. yeah but but when if you keep your blood sugar on a very 
neutral level, like eating a, a low carb diet, then then you don't have to do that snacking. You you're just good to go all the way, and that's of course you you gain time and and you gain confidence. Uh, and you can focus on the tasks ahead, like navigation, uh, monitoring your pace. If it's a hot in the day, you have to keep your pace down. And, and even though if you're feeling good, you, you have to move slow in order to uh, conserve water and energy and stuff like that. So you can focus on the more important thing than just walking around eating Oreos, which <laughs> you have to do if you if you do the... Which the... is happening all too often out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So actually. let's let let's look at it though. We, we've understood about how you prepare and stuff. How, how how did it go? Because we go into these things, there's plan, there's, like we said, we didn't get a lot of information and we're in the camp for sort of 36 hours before we took off, talking to different people. In reality, talk us through the race, the stages, the challenges. What sort of did anything go to plan? How did it pan out for you? Yeah, first of all, I I came to Oman to try to do the top five, perhaps. I don't know. I wanted to to perform well, uh, and I hope that that it would be possible with with my training and with my uh what what with my actually I have very little experience in this type of more adventure racing yeah. but or uh, desert racing but but uh that was my hope anyway right. so when we started out we started out at night which was i seemed a little bit odd but but it was okay <laughs> uh the the bad thing with that that does, of course is that you have one day of sleeping that you're missing out. If you start in the morning, you have a night's sleep uh, yeah. before before the start. Now you have a, a day awake before you start, and you're. I, I was planning not to sleep at all during the race, so I already have like, I don't know, twelve, fourteen hours uh, of uh, awake, yeah. of not sleeping when you start. That was not so good. But uh, first we had some something that they called the prologue, which was more or less walking or power walking up four k's to the starting line together with all the other races. Uh, and uh, at the starting line, I was planning to to fall behind. I I had of course <laughs> monitored a few of the 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 fellow races that I thought would be the competition, yeah. and uh, I, I was hoping that they would speed off because the first climb is really really brutal. It's Wasn't like it just? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a serpentine going. I don't know. Do you know, Marcus? How, how it was like thousand meters up in like meters in seven k's. Yeah, yeah, something like it that. Was it was straight, straight up. Yeah, yeah. and um, but but just when the when the start went off and we all started hiking up that really brutal road, I found myself feeling really good and and found myself that I really wanted to run. So I some in in the first few minutes i decided I, w- I will try to run the entire bit and i did and just after a few kilometers i was in the lead uh, wow. which was not my plan at all <laughs> and i knew there was a really strong runner so i i didn't actually realize what i was doing i was stepping away from my game plan at, at straight away yeah. straight away yeah but but it felt good and it was night and it was cold and and uh after that first brutal climb, it was flattening out, and you can actually do a whole lot of good running on yeah. on the mountain roads because there was just gravel roads. Right. Uh, some bits of them were pretty poor, but but absolutely runnable. And I was uh, running by myself in the night, hoping that there was no dogs out, and and that was the <laughs> best thing about the entire race. I was I was scared that it would be a lot of 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 dogs, but it, actually I didn't see any dog. A few, uh, more, so that, few more goats and camels than dogs. Yeah, and there was just friendly donkeys and yeah. and goats and whatever standing there in the middle of the night, uh, and um, at the first two checkpoints, I just stopped and I have this. Uh, I when I when I try to perform at at my best, uh, I cannot only go on fat. I also have some carbohydrates, and I use just something called super starch. It's just corn starch uh, that you mix with water. It tastes like wallpaper glue, but it's excellent. <laughs> it seems to do the, seems to do the job. It doesn't actually it doesn't. It, it says that it doesn't. Uh, increase your blood sugar levels, and right. and by not doing that, you won't get the insulin. Yeah. Which which uh, so so more or less the the theory about it is that you can get the 
the carbo drive together with the fat drive without they interfering with each other. So uh, actually, I tried that for a, for a year or something, and it seems to work. So I, so I just did that powder at CP1 and CP2. Yeah. At CP3 was just before a very steep climb up to CP4. I think it was the shortest yeah, uh, section. It was kilometers. just 4K. Yeah. yeah straight up a hill there and that so i decided that at cp3 i do my first pemmican uh chunk and uh, so i did my thing there the the meat uh, porridge and uh, walked up to cp4 uh, and arrived there just before the um, light came in the morning uh, uh from from cp4 it's uh, you you get off the gravel road and get into the more i don't know outback part there, it was mountains, mate. There was supposed to be a track, but it was gravel. There was no track. There was nothing. So I, we got there in the day. I don't know how you, you, you started on that and, and managed to wade your way through it in pitch black. It's incredible. Uh, it, the, the, the race director warned us about that. If, if you yeah. hit this point in the dark, take it very slow. Yeah. And I was, of course, thinking about that, but still I was in the lead. I wanted to make some good... Uh, good... good uh, uh, make up, make some good kilometers yeah. before before my competitors came there. So I headed down this canyon, and uh, pretty soon I realized I was I was not seeing any more markers, so I had to go back. I lost perhaps 15 minutes down there. I was really upset with myself and with the course and with everything. And and but when I finally did the right thing and walked up the canyon again just to find the markers, I saw that I had. At the first marker, I had taken the wrong turn, so I was right. just turning left instead. The the track was going right, so I turned right, and when I did, the the first light came, and I could follow the the markers down, as you mentioned. Not a, it was it was called in the maps or or in the in the. Uh, uh, the, the the instructions from from the race that it was supposed to be a single, single track. track. There, was, there, was there no were no track. track. <laughs> it was just big like boulders rolling Absolutely. on top of each other. And, and steep, and, very steep in some places, both going up and going down. Yeah, and on the side, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and you had to actually look ahead to find the next marker, otherwise you were lost. Yeah. Uh, but if you did, you had you couldn't look down. So you, and if you didn't look down on your feet, you fell. Yeah. So yeah. you had to stand still to look at the for the next marker and uh, it was it was it was tough to do when you're tired and, and a little bit frustrated so i decided not to be frustrated and just take it uh, slow and 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 make it happen and i don't know after uh, i don't know perhaps half of that i think it was 17 case or 20 case the entire stretch yeah. after half of that uh, Joao and Ivan, uh, Joao from Portugal and Ivan from Italy uh, passed me and they said, come on, Joao, let's do this together. And I tried to keep up with them, but they were right. too technical. They were so good, good at doing this stuff. All I right. couldn't, keep up, even though that they were leading the way. So I had to see them go. <clears throat> and I thought, well, there, there will be some running after this, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> It's not all mountaineering. <laughs> and uh, when I finally came down from that section, I I was uh, really scared when I looked at the watch bit because I think it was like four hours, really? and it was just like short of twenty k's. So yeah. it's a crazy slow uh, section of of a trail there. And uh, I sat down. I had some more pemmican, and actually now it was eleven k's of of. Uh, pavement yeah and and that was going well uh i was passing ivan again and after that i was going down this section of like it was a dried out riverbed i think something like that yeah yeah it was the it was the first part of the first part of the wadis yeah yeah right and and it was i don't know it was not so pretty i was hitting it in the heat of the day and it was really hot and, and you could run some bits because it was stable, but some bit was too soft, I think, and, and you had to power walk it and not much to see, actually. Uh, yeah. And uh, finally, we came to checkpoint six, uh, which was supposed to be the last. No, no. Yeah, right. Checkpoint six yeah. uh, it was really hot. Uh, I just had a something to drink there and, and pushed on. I put on my gaiters for the first time because we were supposed to get into some more sandy sections. Uh, yeah. And then 
pushing on to what I, I really wanted to get to checkpoint seven because that were uh, was supposed to be the like the uh, portal into the sand dunes sand and the, right. the last section of, of the course or the last section it was about 145 k's left but yeah. <laughs> was, it, on the map it looks like a, a rather friendly slopey downhill yeah, didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. 145 k's <laughs> down to the ocean uh, and I was longing for that just to get rid of all the navigation and everything that was that that was a part of the mountain sections. Right. Uh, and uh, because I was thinking that w- once we hit the sands, it will just be a jeep track and it will f- lead us to the to the ocean. Uh, but the section from checkpoint six and checkpoint seven was a little bit rescheduled due to some. Uh, they had some trouble when they when they were planning that. Uh, stretch and i think it was i don't know it was they had to do it redo it just a couple of days before the race okay. and uh the the marcus was actually i think they were some of the arrows on the marcus was eaten by by goats and others <laughs> torn off by angry camels i don't know there and wasn't some, there wasn't many left when we got there either I, I so i heard and and i think some of the actual marcus was moved by i don't know yeah. fun Bedouin people that wanted to play or or wanted to be mean or just I don't know what they wanted but but some of them I think was moved so after running uh, I was I was I was using my GPS just to keep track of the distance and when I saw that I was supposed to hit the checkpoint there was no checkpoint there right. but Joao Joao uh, the Portuguese uh, runner was sitting on a sand dune in front of me and just looking frustrated and he's he said there's no more markers. Uh, and I said, uh, we, we tried to communicate. He only speaks Portuguese and Spanish, and I, I couldn't, I, I oh, can't. Yeah. So, we, 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 with our international language of, of runners and, and gest- gestures, we, <laughs> we tried to figure out what to do. We walked in a couple of hundred meters uh, in all directions looking for new markets. We couldn't find it. The sun was setting fast. Uh, we was we had to take our uh, take out our headlamps and we were just lost. We didn't know we were supposed to be at the checkpoint, there were, but there were no checkpoint there. Uh, good for us. I put in the uh, coordinates for the all the checkpoints into my GPS watch. Right. I hadn't used it uh, before, but now I, I pressed the the button there and I saw that we were 5.6 k's away from the checkpoint according to the wow. to the GPS, and I tried to to communicate that to Joao and we decided somehow that we we have to trust the GPS. We have nothing else to go yeah, on. So absolutely. GPS and we just took the straightest, just straight through the desert. Uh, <laughs> after some kilometers we, we passed through a small village. We just passed through the through the squares and through the small alleys and everything just to t- try to hit the the shortest way and uh, over a road and over then we had hit some sand dunes really high ones you had to crawl it on all, all fours to get over them Amazing. and it was just supposed to be 800 meters to the um, checkpoint so when we reached the first top of the first sand dune i thought let's hope we see it on the other side yeah. All we saw was another sand dune hundreds of meters up, oh, and we realized yeah. we are just seven sand dunes short of the checkpoint. Oh. If there's a checkpoint there, so we crawled over seven more uh, sand dunes, and there was a checkpoint, and it was <laughs> checkpoint seven, and we were extremely happy. <laughs> and we had like five minutes left of batteries on the GPS when we arrived, so wow. it was the, really in the last minute. And that's when you—that's when you got to the this flat. Descending, <laughs> exactly. Simple you know four-wheel drive track that took you <laughs> yeah. down. So you got you guys got there, and it, it was dark by by now. So we're, yeah, we're kind of twenty-four hours into it. We're yeah, exactly. one hundred and thirteen. I think that was one hundred and thirteen kilometers. Was it? Uh, seems right. Yeah, something around that one hundred eight or one hundred and thirteen. And so nighttime. How long did you stop there, and and what happened after that? We just sat down. It, it was actually really cold at night. I don't know, like five degrees or something. And yeah. uh, so we just sat down. We, uh, I, I did a, <laughs> I did a new uh, meat porridge thing there, Excellent. and and uh, Joao did his uh, carbs. Uh, I don't know, some cookies or whatever he ate. Right. Uh, and uh, we decided anyway that we went we went out together from that checkpoint. Okay. Uh, and uh, we were happy to still be in the lead but we, because we had no idea uh, when we arrived there. But they said, and, and of course, the organization was very, very happy that 
the leaders of the race has found found uh, their way back onto the course. Uh, uh, but but me and you we were very very happy just to to still be in the race because we were really worried when we were lost in the desert, and uh, we we headed off together. And um, as you mentioned, it was perhaps not so very easy course. It was very soft sand. It yeah. was not it was not runnable. You had to power walk it. And uh, Joao is an old uh, special forces guy. He's been military special forces guy for like six years. Used six years used to carrying his backpack and his and his gun. So he was like phenomenal in in, in just back, walking. In walking yeah. yeah, and and I had to do everything I could just to keep up. It was it was harder than running actually for me. Right. And and. Uh, so every now and then I had to run a few steps just to keep up with him. And um, the, then after, um, I, I have to guess here, but after a few hours, like three hours, I I felt at, for the first time in my life, I was so tired I couldn't keep a, a straight thought from the beginning until it was over. So I, I uh, more or less panicked. I had to sleep like right now and i told you oh just just continue because i have to take a power nap and he said he didn't want to do he didn't want to leave me but i said you you just walk i, I will try to keep up with you later catch up you late with yeah. you later and and um but I've, i was of course very worried in how long i would sleep so i i set my alarm at 10 minutes uh and i placed the the wrist where i had the watch just next to my ear i lay down just just that beside the track we were walking on and and uh, closed my eyes and the and the alarm watch was going beep 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 i didn't <laughs> realize that i was sleeping but i was and funny enough it was enough uh, I, 10 minutes I just, after yeah, 36 10 hours had, was enough yeah actually i just stood up and and i realized uh, uh, immediately that uh, some someone had pushed the reset button on the brain i could i could think again i could think about strategy i could keep my thoughts together everything was oh. yeah not like new but yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was, but something it was good good enough yeah and, and it was a big big huge difference between those 10 minutes and i started pushing on again and i caught uh, up with uh, joao at the next checkpoint checkpoint eight which i think was 150 two k's into the race right. uh he was sleeping on a mattress there and i sat down and uh, this was the place where we had our drop bags yeah we we were allowed one drop bag at, at and that was uh, was giving to given to us at this checkpoint uh i was hoping i was looking forward to i had some freeze-dried norwegian freeze-dried meals there i was hoping to have one of those but they had didn't have any hot water at this checkpoint <laughs> while we were there which was a little bit strange. So I exactly. think, yeah, I had the actually I had a canned uh, thing. What's it called? Just a can uh, yeah. of, of Swedish meatballs in uh, <laughs> in uh, in cream sauce. Wow! Uh, so I opened that and had it cold. It was it was excellent. <laughs> and then and then I lay down and had a sleep there. I told the staff at that checkpoint to to wake me up at I can't remember the time now, but but it was like a forty-five minute sleep. Right, and I, and they did. They they woke me, and I when I did they when I woke up, I also woke uh, Joao up and asked him if he wanted to join me, right. and he and he uh, so we we left together and uh, continued on through the night. He was still much faster than me walking, and uh, after a few hours, I had to leave him again, or he had to leave me just to continue on. Wow. Uh, when 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 the first light struck us, I I saw him sitting in the sand, frustrated again because he couldn't find his way, and I couldn't realize why because it was an he was just sitting next to an arrow. But I don't know, he didn't really understand where that arrow was pointing. So I said, "Come on, let's don't think so much, just walk." Yeah. And 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 we continued on, and the sun rose, and we we actually have found some good. Uh, stable ground to run on and we ran and we came to checkpoint nine where we he, he uh, came in like 10 minutes before me we sat down together had some breakfast and uh, he headed off like 10 minutes before me again and uh, then we had actually one section between checkpoint nine and checkpoint 10 was pretty runnable a lot of it yeah uh, unfortunately the day was getting really hot <laughs> during this time 
but we we entered checkpoint 10 which was on the top of a hill rather frustrating i was tracking the distance on my on my watch and i saw that okay here here i here should the gps here should the checkpoint be according to the to the map distance, yeah. to the distance but no you had to climb another hill and on the top <laughs> of that hill of course they had placed the checkpoint but that's that's how how racing is yeah. uh, we had a good time at that top of the hill we had some uh, lunch and uh, we joao since i don't know he was very good at sleeping he he just closed his eyes and he was fast asleep it was i really and en- i really envied that because i i was so my my legs were so much aching so i couldn't fall asleep it took me like 20 minutes to fall asleep but uh i after having something to eat there i also lay down for a while and asked the staff to wake me up after like i don't remember 15 minutes or so and they did and i woke joao up and we con- hiked out together the la- that was the last 20, 20 kilometers, wasn't it? Uh, no, now we are at CP10 now. Okay. And, and then, then this is like the last sex- section that we didn't do together because after just an hour or so, the, the, the day was extremely hot. We were yeah. in a, this like valley with, with high sand dunes, dunes all around us. Uh, there were no wind oh. and I, I just felt strange and and too hot. So I... I asked him to to walk ahead, and he did. And actually, that was the first time in my life I saw hallucinations. I I was looking, I was standing, watching my feet. That's not that's a not that's not a good thing when you're in a race. If yeah, you right. if you're waking up, you're standing bent bent over and hanging on your thighs, looking down on your feet. And I was thinking like, oh, cool, cool feet, cool gaiters, cool dirty legs. This must oh. be some real racer. And uh, I and then all of a sudden I see a shadow coming in, and I feel the cold of the shadow, and I I think thinking to myself, yeah, finally it's a cloud. But all of a sudden, also hear the warning bells in my mind that there is probably no cloud on the sky. So I look up, and of course, there's no there's no clouds. It's just blue sky and a and a burning sun. <clears throat> but I look down again, and I see the damn shadow there. Uh, I look up at the towards the horizon, and I see why there's a shadow because someone has uh, erected a blue tarp all over the desert, and I. While I see it, I know it's the sky, you know, but but I also see the tarp. So I was thinking to myself, I, I know it's a hallucination while I see it, but still it's really, really real. Yeah. And uh, I, I decide that it's better. I better I better keep moving, <laughs> but rather <laughs> slow. <laughs> so I do. And, and after a few hours, the sun is not so high anymore and the temperature is dropping and I, I can start thinking straight again. I, I pick up my pace and uh, after... <clears throat> few kilometers i i see a blue man sitting in the dunes a couple of hundred meters ahead of me i, st- I think it's another hallucination or something but it's not it's actually joao that's wow. something yes he he's also he's also caught by the sun and the heat and everything so he's been just staggering off the of the track for uh, 50 meters or so and and he's been uh, just been laying down in in one of the sand dunes in the middle of the sun and he's just down and i oh. shout towards him joe what's what you're doing and he wakes up and he's like problems and i say no shit big <laughs> problems man stand up and i help him to his feet and we continue on together and after just i don't know 50 minutes after that he stops me and says you want let's do let's do this together let's finish this together and and I say, are, are you sure? Is that is that really what you want? And he says, Yeah, we 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 finished this together. And I said, uh, Fine by me. It's it's perfect because I was, I mean, if if you're too, yeah. And I and I figured we're both that kind of persons that want. We we will never quit. Yeah. He he will never quit. I will never quit. And and it's so much safer to do it together. And it's so much more easy to to have someone else to monitor as well not not only yourself because yeah i think it it, it felt great that he yeah. suggested that and i and i very happy that i agreed to do it uh, then we we arrived the sun went down we arrived this is now the third night we arrived at checkpoint 11 uh we sat in they didn't have any tent there and uh, we went into the car that they had and we 
sitting in the front seat and and uh, had some something to eat and and then fell asleep. I was actually looking at my watch at uh, quarter to nine p.m. Uh, and I had uh, set the alarm for nine, so I was thinking, oh no, I will only have maximum fifteen minutes of sleep. But all of a sudden, uh, I was looking up at my watch, and it was quarter past. Oh wow! And I saw a French runner passing the windshield, so I was waking you out, Joe, Joe, wake up! It's a race again. We have to move. Come on! And we were like, <laughs> back in in. Uh, in back in military mode, all alert, red alert, <laughs> on with the backpacks and, and just heading off. Uh, and now we were, we, now we were like a cruel machine. We had had some sleep and, and the food and we were moving really solid. And we chased that, uh, Thierry in the name of the French runner. We, we chased him down pretty fast. Right. We, we, we hugged him as we passed him and asked him that he was okay. And he was looking he was looking really tired, which we 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 was playing theaters to look strong and not <laughs> and not looking tired, and we said, "Well, see you at the finish," and continued headed on uh, oh. pretty f- as fast as we could without and looking at him, yeah. <laughs> him know, yeah. And then we just stacked together for for the rest of the race, mm-hmm. uh, passing checkpoint twelve, the last checkpoint. We just sat down, had a cup of coffee. And continued headed on for the last I don't know twenty k's I think it was the last down, section yeah, over some beach. yeah and, over some huge dunes and we actually yeah. took it rather slow at the end because we we uh, these dunes were something that they called dead dunes because they absorbed so much water over the I don't know thousands of years last thousands of years so they are not moving so much anymore and they will finally. In, 10,000 years or so becomes stone I heard but right. uh, and and um, due to the fact that they have so much moist in them they it's a, a lot of fog during night uh, right. you can't believe it but it's rather cold and foggy and you don't see anything else but this these little dots of, of moist in front of your head torch in, in at night and we were planning to take it slow at the end just to let the sun rise before we finished and we did and we finished at the first Sun race and we we finished hand in hand. It was a very emotional moment. It was yeah, talk, talk us talk us through that <laughs> bit. What what was the what was the finish like and how how do you feel? Because I mean you'd been you'd been through hallucinations. You'd been through hell and back together. Uh, yeah. What was it like at the end? Well, first it we we couldn't stop looking back to see if we if Thierry was coming at the, <laughs> over the last <laughs> you know? but but he wasn't so we felt pretty safe we took it slow the last like three or four kilometers and and finally you, you end up at the big um, uh, telecom tower yeah. and from that telecom tower you have a long down slope towards the finish line or the, or more or less, it's not a finish line but but the tent site where where the finish are yeah. finishes and um we uh, it, it was pretty fun because I had I had brought a small Swedish flag in my pack right. uh, with me, and so had Joao. He has brought he had brought a Portuguese flag. So <laughs> we and we we admitted to each other that we had those, which yeah. was pretty fun, yeah. and we and we took them uh, forth, and we we had so we. The last section there, just I, I don't know, it's like 500 meters from the telecom tower down to people waiting, awaiting us down at the finish. We we uh, we held hands. We were when we decided to run it just to to <laughs> to just make to it look prove good. That yeah. you still could. <laughs> we we could still we could still move pretty yeah. pretty well, and and uh, we did that little short run together, and it was very emotional. As as you mentioned, we had we had pushed ourselves. A lot, and we had done the last sections together, and we we were now after this very hard adventure, finishing. Just finishing is is very emotional, but also yeah. finishing first is is uh, adds to that feeling. And uh, it it was harder than than either of us uh, expected, I think, uh, since since the sand bit, which is half the race, was so tough. Due to the fact of the sand, yeah. <laughs> the soft sand, and and the and the heat, sure. uh, so we couldn't run as 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 much as as one, either of us has hoped, I think. And 
but but we did it. We finished it, and and we yeah, we were extremely happy, both of us, just to do it and, and to do it do it together. I mean, Joao is a phenomenal athlete. He he's he's he won the Spartathlon, which is one of the most prestigious ultra marathon races in the world. He won that in September two thousand thirteen. So he's wow. He's extremely good runner when it comes to ultra marathons, and he, he, yeah, I was I was just extremely proud to be doing this with him, and 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 humbled that he wanted to do it with me. So well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a fantastic to, to your ability and and to your obviously physical and mental strength as as, as well, Johan. So that's uh, just before we finish up one key learning or one key piece of advice you could give to not only people that have done ultras or are thinking about ultras but what's the biggest thing that you take from that particular race uh i i i think i must mention a few things one thing is if you have the if you believe in it and would like to try it try to do a low carb diet and, and test that beforehand so you know that what it will do to you it it's so much easier to put the uh, to to put the put that food thing to the side. If you feel confident in in eating uh, a fatty diet, you will get so much further than if you have to l- rely on carbohydrates. So that that's my first yeah. tip. But that that was that was old news. Uh, new news for this race was that you can do so much without sleeping. Uh, and it, actually, and, and if you if you definitely need to sleep, which which you have to sooner or later because your yeah. brain will will fry otherwise, you 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 don't have to do it for a long time. Uh, right. Perhaps ten minutes, a little bit short, but it it will do with ten minutes. But but do it for fifteen or twenty minutes. It's enough to reboot your brain and put everything in place again, right. because. It's this, from my point of view, there's no need to take a long, long nap, like an hour or two hours, because your body will not heal anyway. It's all the only reason that you have to nap is because of your brain. Right. Your body will take an hour, will take a week or two weeks to recover. So you won't recover that in a few hours. You will just, uh, you, you will just fool it. Yeah. So that that's something that I learned during this race and, and that I will use a lot more in the future just to take these short power naps and, and rely on those. That, that, that was good. Amazing. Well, that's, <coughs> it. that's, it. that's absolutely incredible. And I really, really thank you for taking time out of your busy running schedule. I know you have a job and a family, but we also know you have a lot of time to spend out on the pavement running or through the forests there in Sweden or down, down by the rivers preparing <laughs> preparing for for another race as well so thank you very much Joanne for coming on, on on the call and once again a huge congratulations your inspiration to definitely everyone in the race and and I'm sure uh, through what you've said in in this call you'll probably be an inspiration to a lot of other people out there and of course that book that got you into this running game in 2010 born to run is definitely a book worth reading isn't it oh yeah Please do, but be careful. You might be the, you you might you might be like me, you know. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Marcus. It's been a pleasure. I, I love talking about these things, and and uh, I hope uh, you you get something out of it. Okay.